it's time to get off the bench, grab yourself a fresh Wilson basketball, and go get a bucket. Welcome to the season premiere of the Off the Bench podcast presented by the Alibaba Group. I'm your new host from NBC Sports Washington, Chris Miller. I am so excited to be the host this season, bringing you the best interviews from the movers and shakers in this organization, from players to coaches, front office types, hopefully even ownership down the road. Uh, This is going to be a really fun podcast. We're going to get to know the players better than anybody else in the podcast space. We're going to get in depth. We're going to ask the questions of where did these guys come from and how did they become one of the members of the greatest league on the planet, the National Basketball Association. Our season premiere starts with three heavy hitters that will figure prominently on this year's team, obviously starting with the face of the franchise, entering his 10th season, Bradley Beal. We'll also talk to Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyle Kuzma. And just a reminder, make sure you download and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts for the Off the Bench podcast, again, presented by the Alibaba Group. All right, it's time now to sit back and relax and listen to my interviews during training camp with Bradley Beal, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Kyle Kuzma here on the season premiere of the Off the Bench podcast. Hi, friend. What's up, boss? How you been? I'm good. Busy summer. How about you? Busy summer. Got a great summer. No, no, I appreciate you being the uh, first guest on the Off the Bench podcast. Oh, man. Uh, I want to start with something that you just did just a couple of weeks ago, which is really cool, taking your family down to Gainesville and doing the two-bit thing. I'm sitting at home just watching the game. All of a sudden, I see you 50-yard line getting them turned up. What was that like? It was amazing. So when they first called me, they've asked me to do it for the last few years, and I was just never schedule was never uh, coincide to where I was able to be free enough to get down there. But uh, you know, I was fortunate, you know, to be able to do it this summer. I had a little bit more free time on my hand, and um, definitely, what better game than Alabama too at home? Yeah. So uh, I mean, it's a tradition of Florida, you know, uh, for one of our you know celebrated greats at, the, at our school to come out and get the crowd going before the game, for, before the football game. Um, and so that's that's what I did, man. I was out there by myself and got the crowd going, and it was ninety thousand uh, electric fans in there. So it was it was a, it was an unbelievable experience for sure. I got a kick out of watching just some of the the photos. You ran out with the football team, and yeah. knowing you, I was like, if he could, he would. Yeah. Uh, what position would you have played for the Gators? Yeah, I would have been uh, receiver or safety. Part of me. Uh, my ego would have said quarterback, but uh, <laughs> probably receiver and, and safety. Uh, it was so funny because they, the marketing team for Florida was like, yeah, we want you to run out with the team. I'm like, wait, does the team want me to run out with the team? I can't just be right. – I can't just jump out there with the team. But, I mean, they were, they welcomed me with open arms, and it was it was, it was was one of the most fun experiences ever, man. It, it definitely kind of brought me to, like, okay, what if, I, what if I played football? What if I – you know, what if I was still in college? You know, I kind of had that – I had a little glimpse of that, um, you know, for a little split second, so I was happy. We talk about the NFL all the time. So you you are a football fan. But to take Deuce and to take Bray down there, I mean, that's the legacy stuff that you and I have talked about over the years to at least let them experience that at a young age. Like your dad made an impact here enough in one year that they would ask you to do that. Yeah, that's that's what's so crazy about is the amount of love I received. You know, um, Grant, I only did a year there, and, you know, people 
you know, welcomed me with open arms like I did 10 years there, you know, and that's, that was amazing, you know, and then they welcomed my wife and my boys there too, and it was just, it was unbelievable, you know, it's, it's definitely surreal for me to be able to have uh, my two young ones kind of see where I grew up and grew, uh, grew into a man and, uh, you know, and embrace the culture I kind of, you know, helped shape, helped shape me into who I am today, so. Uh, it, was, it was fun. They love football. They love football too. They love sports. Uh, they got a kick out of it. You know, they got to meet Albert the Gator. Uh, they got to see Gators in our lake on the campus too. So they were, they were thrilled for sure. So, you know, don't be surprised they commit to Florida one day. <laughs> um, as I look at you today, I see a ten-year NBA veteran, and, and I harken back to draft night on your birthday. What would a 10-year Bradley Beal tell a rookie that's coming into the league for the first time? Like, if you could talk to your 19-year-old self, what would uh, you say? Be a killer. I would be – I think it's totally different um, now versus when I came in. And, and the game is totally different, too, because when I came in, we've had two bigs, and, um, you know, guards weren't as free as we are today mm-hmm. uh, to pretty much do what we want on the floor. Uh so I would say probably be a killer. Not that I wasn't, but I didn't bring it out, you know, necessarily every game. You know, it was kind of you had to piss me off or I get mad or upset, and then you know, mm-hmm. I you know, it'd come out. But more or less, it's you know, I wish I would have came out in my career a little bit more stronger than what I did. But um, teaching wise, I don't think anything. I, I think just understanding that everything is going to be a learning experience, you know, and that's the same thing I always instill and and tell younger guys that come into the league today, you know, just don't think you're going to be perfect, you know, don't think you're going to, you know, unicorn, unicorns are unicorns for a reason, you know, uh, you know, so just embrace where you are and, uh, and enjoy the journey because, you know, it'll be gone like that or, you know, before you know it, you'll be in year 10, you know, and trying to remember your rookie year, so. It's uh, it's an unbelievable journey for sure. But if I go back, you know, I definitely tell myself to enjoy, embrace every moment. Uh, but for sure, put your foot on the gas. Does it feel like ten years to you? Let me ask it this uh, way: yeah. Does your body feel like it's year ten? Um, in ways, at mm-hmm. times. Um, from a maturity standpoint, like I feel like I'm at year ten. Like I know what's going on. You know, you know the time of year it is. You know you're. But I mean, body wise, you you feel like that. But I mean, you it's, it's like muscle memory. You know, your body gets used to it. You know, you, you wake up at the same time. You, your body just gets acclimated to how it. You know, your 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 routine every day. So, uh, in ways it does, in ways it doesn't. But I'm getting old, so it's it's definitely <laughs> crazy to think about your team. Uh, you had seven teammates that aren't here anymore, and there's just really no arguing, you know, who the leader of this team is. I think Tommy yesterday told me, you know, this team goes by your temperature. I mean, it, this is your team, your ball. What does this team look like without having training camp yet to start? But I, I'm sure you've done your homework on all these new players. What does it look like to you? We have a lot of young, hungry guys, you know. Um, I think that's what I love the most. Like, we have competition within our group. We have guys on contract years. Um, you know, guys who trying to really fight and keep themselves, their names relevant. And we have all of that, you know. And on top of that, we have a bunch of 
uh, young guys who we really depended on a lot last year, who we kind of threw into the fire. So now we don't necessarily have to rush their development. You know, we have Pope, Kuz, and Treyas, who are all vets. You have Spence, who's a vet. They've all played in playoff games. They've won rings. So, um, you know, they know what it takes, you know, and they, they know when the heat of the battle is there, um, you know, you can kind of depend on their their maturity um, and their expertise, you know, of being in those moments to, of being ready to go. Um, and they can help the younger guys along the way too, you know, and I think uh, the biggest thing I'm excited about is it takes a big load off of uh, the things I have to do on the floor. You know, I can really dial into my defensive end um, and not having to worry about creating everything on offense. You know, we got Spence, we got Aaron, we still got Owl. Uh, Pope can put it on the floor, Kuz can put it on the floor, Denny and Rui are only going to continue to get better. So, you know, we have the pieces that, you know, we need to compete on a nightly basis. I feel a lot more comfortable, for sure, in that you, category. You know, earlier I asked you about, like, what you would tell the 19-year-old version of you. But I think like, with you being so accomplished in this league, does your leadership change? Because I know your personality is one of just, you know, I'd rather just show you than talk about it. But does your mentality have to change on how you – Communicate with others. This it's year. funny you said it because I talked to Wes um, a little bit today about it, and I just have to be a lot more vocal than what I have been maybe in the past. Like I, I'm vocal, I, I would definitely hold my teammates accountable, myself accountable. Um, but it needs to be even more, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's in film, whether it's just pulling guys aside, you know, on a day to day, just engaging in conversation, engaging in, with their teammates, you know, just kind of really picking their brain, keeping them engaged with the game, teaching them the game. Uh, you know, because this, this is my team. You know, this is this is your team. You know, I'm the oldest vet on the team, so I have to. I'm kind of propelled into that, that role in a lot of ways. And uh, it's funny because I would say the last five, six years has kind of been propelled, preparing me for, um, you know, this moment per se. So I'm looking forward to it. It won't be easy. It'll be a big challenge for sure. But, uh, you know, I'm always up for one. So, like, You've had to really kind of share it for nine years. Mm -hmm. Would you say the last time that it's been like this was at Shamanad? Yes. Yeah. But even my mentality now, like, I don't feel like I'm light years ahead of everybody. Like, I'm not super older than a lot of the guys. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't carry myself that way. Uh, but... This is probably the first time I've been like, okay, this is yours. So, yeah. But you've probably been waiting for this moment to... It's tough. I mean, when people look at your summer and like, oh, what's Bill going to do? You know, it's easy to up and leave, but, you know, I've worked my tail off to to have something I can call my own, to, you know, to be able to have some say-so. You don't get that in, the league, in our league. You know, we don't... That's not given out. You know, our governors don't give that out often. You know, they're very protective of your teams, and uh, respectfully so, you know, so I definitely credited and chef for our relationship for sure over these last 10 years. Um, and hopefully it just continues to get better, but, you know, I definitely understand, you know, it's not an easy position to be in for one. I mean, it's, it's a lot of pressure too, mm -hmm. uh, but I know I worked my tail off to BYM, so, you know, I never fear anything or fear the results because trust the work. Can you walk me through how the Dinwiddie deal got done? Because you're you're talking about you, you know you having a say in 
kind of what this team looks like. To get a guy like that kind of at the 11th hour, walk me through that. Oh, man. So, one, it was very unfortunate losing Russ. You know, that was probably the – it's obviously the toughest thing. You know, you have a guy who's in year 14 of his career. You know, so I didn't – Russ and I are great. You know, he's an unbelievable teammate. He's a great – even better person, you know, our relationship isn't tarnished from that. You know, uh, I love him to death and I'm happy for him. Happy he gets to propel his career the way he wants to. You know, he always has that, that chip on his shoulder. He always has that false narrative about him, you know, so I'm definitely happy for him uh, in that regard. But it definitely sucks. He's an MVP. He's a very talented player. He helped us out in a lot of ways last year. Um, but on the flip, we got, what, four or five guys in return for that and for Russ, you know. Um, and then when it came down to, you know, making a deal, we know we needed a point guard. You know, the point guard market was kind of scarce. We knew what it was. We knew what the top heavy guys were going to do with Kyle and Mike Conley. Um, you know, Schroeder was up in the air. He's kind of waiting on his his deal. But you know, I actually ended up reaching out to Spence and kind of gauging his interest, and he was more than interested. You know, because I knew his situation in Brooklyn was a little shaky. Uh, you know, he could either stay there and be very impactful or he can have an opportunity to really grow his wings over here. Uh, and so that was, that was kind of how it came about. You know, he, he had options on the table, even coming off of ACL. So that's that was a tough thing, too. So I definitely credit Tommy uh, for getting it done at the end of the day. But, um, you know, once he, he kind of expressed his interest, you know, we were like he's, he's probably the best point guard, you know, on the board right now. So uh, I like his size, his athletic ability. Um, his ability to score, which takes a lot of pressure off me and having to create and do things. Um, and his just his love for the game. You know, like I've competed against him in Brooklyn. We always usually guard each other. So uh, I know what he's about. He's about winning. He's about competing. So I know I can go to war with him. You know, then we got Aaron Holiday, who I love to death, which was a no-brainer for me, him and Aou. And uh, that's how we hit the ground running, man. We got. I feel like we have really good guards. Um, you know, who can really propel our, propel our offense. All right, so how do you and KCP go from being dudes that hang out for vacations to I have to see you every day for the next? Hey, <laughs> I tell him that all the time. We're sick of seeing him. <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's my brother, man. We were in the same high school class. Um, and growing up, we've camps and LeBron camp and whatever it was, you know, AU, McDonald's game, Jordan Brand. We were either roommates or always by each other. And we were probably the two most quietest guys in our class. Two of the most humble, but definitely two of the most hardworking guys. Like, that's how we carried ourselves. Uh, and it's, it's definitely surreal to play with him now, you know? Um, a guy who has a ring, who's been working his tail off, the true, true perennial like role player in his league who understands, you know, what his job is and he goes out and do it, you know? but. How this came about, he, I mean, obviously with LA, you know, they're trying to they're trying to build their team up, you know, year in and year out, uh, and they had to attach Pope pretty much to any deal that they wanted to do because their assets weren't 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 that uh, weren't crazy. So we uh, I actually called him one morning, and it was actually the same day that we ended up dealing with Russ because he was going to be a part of the trade. So I was okay. Do you want to come to DC or? I like think I named like three other teams he could have possibly went to um, that wanted him. And he's like, yeah, no, 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 I'm, I'd rather come to D.C. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I definitely I, I push for that as well because I know that he can help 
whether he's a two to three, he can play the point. Um, and he's a great defender, and he can shoot the ball. So, and then his vet presence will help as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it would. It just all made sense, you know. Then adding Kuz uh, gives Kuz a, a chance to fly, open his wings more. Um, you know, kind of how he did what two, three years ago, and uh, get that, get that back. You know, he he has his his bounce back. You know, I can see it in pickup here. He has some. Some flow, some juice to him. He feels like he needs to to showcase himself. You know, we're going to try to make that easy for him. We don't want to want to put pressure on him. You know, uh, we understand what his goal is and what you know his mission is. And he'll have an opportunity to do that here for sure. All these guys. Were you ever hesitant of being that guy in the summer that would pick up a phone and call guys and be like, "Hey, come to D.C." Because I I feel like what I'm hearing from you now is you don't have a problem calling people and being like. This is a destination city because yeah. I've never understood this, Brad. And maybe you can help me with this. I, I don't understand either. why DC is not considered a big market, right? Yeah, uh, I never understand it either. Um, but in order to you know to win and compete, you got to pick up their phone. That's one thing I learned at USA. Honestly, like it was nonstop. I couldn't breathe. <laughs> I couldn't breathe without you know somebody asking me what I, what was I doing that summer. You know what did I want to do. Do I mind what I play with that person? Um, and so that was kind of eye-opening in a lot of ways, you know. Can I get that done here? Can I bring somebody here? You know, we have a, it's a great city, sports town. Like, this is – we are – basketball is the only team that needs to win in football. I mean, but we are right there. I mean, the last five, five ten years, you know. So uh, it's – you got to pick up the phone. You know, I could say for the first time this summer, I was definitely, I was definitely utilizing my minutes. You know, I was utilizing. You're a recruiter. Try right? Try <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's not easy because, I mean, obviously, families, you know, conferences, uh, money, everything plays a factor into you know guys' decision to leave and up and want to leave and move. Um, so it was. Uh, it was an interesting summer, but, you know, where we are is something. This is a natural transition to what could be offered to you once the season starts, and that's an extension. Mm. I'll, just, I'll just ask you just straight up, like, what do you want specifically to make a decision like that? What do you need to see? What has to happen for you to consider? Mm. It's funny. I think about it, but I don't try not to think about it. Um, like, I know Monday that's going to be the first question I'm asked. Uh, but honestly, I mean, it's the same thing I always say, but it sounds funny because people look at me like I'm crazy. Like, we got to win. We have to win. Obviously, I mean, we're showing signs of that with the moves we've made. You know, we're more competitive. We're better than we were last year. Obviously, nobody can replace Russ. That hurts. Um, but I feel like we have more depth that we can rely on and uh, not necessarily – you know, plug and play, try to bring in guys who don't know our, know our system and try to, you know, get them up to speed. Like, that was, that was a hassle the last two years, you know. So now I feel like we have a good core. We have a good base of guys that we can go in, you know, to war night in and night out. Um, and hopefully go out there and get it done. But, you know, in terms of my deal, it's just we have to win. You know, Shep knows that. Tommy, I mean, and Ted knows that too. Uh, and there's a lot of it is up to me too. You know, I got to go out and lead the team. and I got to go out and do my job and do what I'm supposed to do. Um, just as well. So I leave the chips on the table, you know. Uh, at this point, all my – that's kind of just 
this is where I am. This is my year. And I approach it like that. I have all year to sign, so I'm not in a rush. Um, you talked about being in Vegas and just literally <laughs> having people just say, hey, w w what are you thinking? But it, it ended there for you, mm. unfortunately, right? How did you deal with that? The deal of being so close to getting a gold medal and how did you manage it mentally? Uh, it was frustrating at first because the whole summer was very adverse and emotional for myself and my family. Um, uh, so COVID, me getting COVID was kind of a, a stepping stone to a domino effect. It was a little bit of tragic events in our family, but uh, it was it was disheartening, but it was encouraging at the same time. And it was disheartening because when I wasn't going to be able to do something I've always dreamed of, and be with my peers who I've been with the last couple of weeks and develop a solid bond with, and I knew we would go over there and do what they did and win a gold medal, right? Um, and so not being a part of that, not receiving a gold medal, that, that hurts. But uh, on the back end of that, I was missing a lot if I decided to go, right? And when I did decide to go, I was missing my oldest brother's wedding. I was missing my son's birthday. I was missing my mom's birthday. I was missing just a bunch of stuff being around. My grandmother ended up getting sick. My dad has kidney failure. He ended up getting a kidney this summer. So it was just a bunch of stuff that was like, okay, B, your life is bigger than just hoops right now. Like, yeah, a lot of other things you need to focus on. Um, you know, just kind of just take a step back and just really focus on life, you know, for a second. Because I'm so dialed in the hoops a lot. And, you know, at times you can lose sight of the little things, you know, every day, you know, just a simple call, check-ins, you know. And then, sure enough, I'm on my way to Vegas and, boom, call about grandma. And so it was just a, it was tough just having a, a whole summer of adversity, you know, in our family. Uh, then from COVID, dealing with COVID was tough. I didn't, thankfully, I didn't have any crazy symptoms. I still can't smell, which is weird. I still can't smell. To this day, you cannot smell. To this day. Uh, that's weird, but other than that, I'm, I was fine. Like, I would just feel tired. Uh, but it was gone in 10 days, so it was good. I respect your privacy, so I, I don't want to ask you about that. But I do want to if you're okay with this, because you just said that your dad finally got that kidney. Mm -hmm. I know it's been a thing. And I remember the all-star game, we were in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Your dad was close mm -hmm. to getting one. I know this, and I don't know if you want to kind of share this, but that's been a journey for your dad. And as a friend of yours, I'm just gonna say, that's big. Yeah. Because your dad, <laughs> if you know Bobby, you know that he's a fighter. Yeah. So do you look at that as kind of like being one of the big positives of the summer? It's like, For sure. For sure. You know, That's why, like, when I didn't, when I couldn't go with the USA team, literally, it was my mom and son's birthday. It's, they're both on July 23rd. They have mm -hmm. the same birthday. And my brother's wedding was in the beginning of August. Right, which I would have missed being in the Olympics. Um, then my dad received a kidney about two weeks ago. Two, no, about a month ago. Sorry. So it's been back-to-back -back events, but they've all been positive, right? They've all been great. You know, minus grandma, but she's better now, which is even that's on the, on the positive spectrum as well now. But for dad, it's been five years since 
he's had dialysis every other day of his life for the last five years. Five years of not using the restroom. And now he goes every five seconds. And he's like, I've, <laughs> he's like, I've been taking this for granted. You know, it's funny, you know, but it's kind of crazy to think about, you know, and it's on the flip side of that, like it's, I feel great for dad, but it's like, he has to, the only way he gets that of is someone else passes, you know, and that's the unfortunate part about it. That kind of leaves, leaves me a little uneasy, but it, you know, it's my dad, you know, so I'm happy for him. His body's taking it well, which is also a big scare factor with, you know, older men too. Uh, so I'm definitely, you know, we're blessed, man. He's he's happy. He's moving better. He's talking better. He's in great spirits. Um, you know, so we're def we're blessed in that in that in that realm for sure. You yeah. know, he got a kidney. He's he's up and moving though. You know, and I, I just think of you know, we look at Bradley Beal as the basketball player, but I think sometimes people don't understand. Like you're a human, you have feelings. You go through things just like everybody else does. Mentally, where are you? today like how how do you feel about just kind of what's going on in the world and like your family like how are you just kind of dealing with the mental space of dealing with everything uh i know why about a month ago i was in a little funk like i didn't want to do anything i didn't want to talk to anybody like it was just you don't realize how important your your mental health is like talking like getting stuff off your chest mm -hmm. um communicating whether it's family reaching out to people like your mental is is everything because you don't have that like you you can't function on a daily that's that's a fact so uh i can honestly say i have a great support system a great support system you know my wife my boys my brothers uh, my parents uh, my friends ray hannah and alex they uh they, they keep me together, you know. So, um, yeah. For the first time, we I had a very adverse summer, and I needed every bit of my support system, and they were there. Mm -hmm. So, my recommendation is everybody just when somebody say they need help or they're depressed or they're anxious about something, listen to them. You know, I was a little naive to that in the beginning, but that is it's important. Yeah, it is important. Uh, I want to end on, on just a little bit of a lighter note um, I'm doing this thing it's called fast breaks it's like just rapid questions mm -hmm. and, and you normally do a really good job at this so it's fast break time with Bradley Beal alright your favorite pregame meal favorite pregame meal we're gonna go oh pot belly pot belly sandwich really yep what do you like on your pot belly sandwich when I get the grilled chicken cheddar with bacon yes sir light lettuce salt and pepper grill it for me that sounds Barbecue, good. chips, with a little orange mango nectar. Oh, jeez. <laughs> How old were you when you first dunked a basketball? I was 14 years old. Oh, you remember it like it was yesterday, don't yep. you? In Kansas City, Missouri. Yep. Um, I know you have one hidden talent, which is drawing, but do you have any other hidden talents that you have never told anybody publicly? No. Play video games. Your, your Call of Duty skills, yeah, I, I say, understand, I'm, is on I'm decent point. at Call of Duty. Decent. I, I can pull up some clips right now. You're like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, here's what I need you to do. I need you to rank these hip-hop artists. One through three. Nas, J. Cole, or Drake? Put them in order. What genre? 
hip-hop. Like hip-hop artists. You got Nas, J. Cole, or Drake. Rank of one. Well, I think J. Cole has the album of the year, but that's just me personally. I like it. That's your, this is your list. I like, ah, but Drake. Nas is third. I, I'm no offense. I don't. I'm no, that's, that's I don't okay. listen to Nas. This is your list. Nas. Um, but I do. Respect, Did you ask I me the genre art. because sometimes Drake sings? Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, we're just gonna do just just hip hop. Yeah, I got Cole first. Cole, Cole, Drake, Drake, Nas. and then Nas. Okay. My final question is. No, I got one more. Uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, I think I said this before. I think I'd rather be invisible. <laughs> just end up wherever you want. No one would know. Just, just, yeah, just, let right. me, just let me be. All right. The last one is Bradley Beal. You are stranded on an island. You can only take three things with you. You're stranded for a month. What are you taking? Food, water, phone. Okay, here's the issue with the phone. Because a lot of people say that, right? No service? Yeah, you're stranded, bro. Okay, okay. Food, water, and... Um... Guess you're going to need some clothes, huh? Why does no one say toilet paper? I mean, I just... Why do you need toilet paper? Well, you know, what... Are you just going to just use the leaves? Or are you just, you're just out there? You just go to your business. You go <laughs> get in the water. <laughs> I like to get right to it on these podcasts. We're with Spencer Dinwiddie here, and something that he and I have in common, we like naps. Yeah. So, there are different kind of naps. Uh-huh. Are you a 20-minute nap guy, or are you a guy that's like an hour, hour and a half? Because you come out of them naps differently. Yes. So, it depends on the time, the day. Context matters. So Okay, well, let's break it down. It's game day. Uh, home game. Home game. The home opener. We're going to go right to the home opener. Uh, walk me through that nap. I got two naps that day. So that's the shoot around? So after, so after the shoot around, right, you go home. You got that, that gap in the day. You know, you probably get back to the crib, what, 12? You don't have to show up to the arena until, what, 4.30? Something like that. Maybe 5. Uh, I'm getting two hours in there. I'm getting to. Oh, you go a deep rim. I'm, you're I'm, in that. You're in that. The, the deepest rim you I'm, can be in. I'm getting two of them things, for sure. Hey, listen. During Whoa. season, I sleep more than uh, the average person, for sure. You do a two-hour nap two hour. after morning shoot around, yep. and then you get another one in before they roll the ball out. Oh yeah. Now, how many? How many? Is that a twenty-minute? That's just like twenty minutes. It's like, like I put on a crypto podcast, twenty thirty minutes crypto podcast. Put my feet up in the locker room. You know everybody getting hyped, things like that. Nah, nap time. Okay, so before crypto, which by the way, um, you still need to educate me on that because gotcha. I'm trying to. <laughs> I've been so used to green. I'm just I gotta get used to uh, paperless. What were you doing before the podcast? Like when you were in that twenty minute sleep, what were you were you vibing out to something musically? I mean, some some light. Like I'm not a, I'm not a hype guy. Okay. I'm not a hype guy, so something light. I mean, Drake obviously has his lighter stuff. Like mm-hmm. some maybe in that range. When I was in college, 
uh, Detroit I didn't really play, so I kind of had this like different routine where we were working out crazy before the game and stuff like that. So then I had a suit on, so it was a little bit different. But um, pretty much in Brooklyn, I spent five years there. I was pretty much in crypto the entire time. So that uh, it's kind of like my routine. Like I put on a crypto podcast and kick my feet up, take a nap. This is me, so I'm not going to play the role of, hey, if somebody ever came up to you, I'm coming up to you right now and I'm mm-hmm. asking you, explain cryptocurrency to me. Like, give me the, um, what was in college we needed the, uh, what was the that? The pitch or something? No, what was that? When you when you didn't want to read the whole chapter, you just, Cliff Cliff Spartan, no, give yeah, me yeah, the Cliff you. Notes version of crypto. Cliff Notes. All right, so to demystify the technology portion, uh, distributed ledger technology. That's what underpins, you know, blockchain, cryptocurrency, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, basically, that means usually information is held in a central place. Apple holds all your information from your iPhone, right? Imagine if each computer around the country, around the globe, uh, shared this ledger. And so what verified your transactions was all the different computers in the world. Okay. So they all kind of shared this ledger and held this information. So now the data is stored in a decentralized fashion so there's no one point that can take down the entire system right so now not only does that make it in theory more secure but it also means that it should be more honest and trustworthy right because now apple can't just lie to you and say uh well we don't destroy the phones remember they said that for like 10 years oh we don't destroy the phones when a new one comes out we don't release bugs in the code and then in the last like three four years they're like all right yeah we kind of do Right, but they've been doing this for a long time. They just lied about it. In a decentralized manner, you can't really do that because there's so many checks and balances. That's number one. And then number two, you have to look at the differences in the types of tokens. Everybody hears cryptocurrency and thinks they're trying to make a new dollar. It's not the case, right? I would say the only one that's effectively become a currency at this moment is Bitcoin, which is essentially the gold standard. It's like digital gold, right? Like it's the number one. It's the king. That's what it is. Uh, Others serve different purposes. So one of the new ways right now is NFTs. That's non-fungible tokens. All that means is um, when you look at uh, cryptocurrency in general, it's typically verified scarcity. So they have specific numbers that are the total. So with Bitcoin, uh, there's 21 million total. But one Bitcoin is not different from two Bitcoin or the third Bitcoin. It's all fungible. They all are just a Bitcoin, similar almost to the dollar, right? When you put, uh, when you make something non-fungible, right, you put basically a serial number on it and you even further verify the scarcity. So that's like a basketball card or baseball card when they're one of 100. So now that would mean that each Bitcoin is now unique. So the first Bitcoin is different from the second, is different from the 21 million. Okay. So that's, that's where you kind of have to get down into the different token styles out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the main thing about it is it's distributed ledger technology, and then you go into your deeper dive from there. I feel way smarter. You should do like a YouTube thing to kind of explain <laughs> it to people. That, that was actually really good. Thank now, you, I'm sure Ted and Zach love you because you, you speak in their language. That's, yeah. that's like a love language, talking oh, yeah. about cryptocurrency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, that's my uh, guy. Tell me about this team without being out there with them yet. Like, I asked Kuz about this. It's you know, you did your thing in Brooklyn, Coos, Trez, KCP did their thing out west. You know, Aaron did his thing in Indiana. And, like, all of you guys have kind of come together. Have you ever experienced that much of turnaround at a new place? And, like, what are you trying to get done during the week of training camp? Ooh, 
Um, I've experienced turnover like that with Brooklyn because, you know, when the when the years were early, like we were a bad team and, and continue to turn over guys with G League, et cetera. Uh, but expectations were different. Um, I think we definitely want to be a playoff team in, in this uh, building, right? Whereas like Brooklyn in the early years, you kind of knew you probably weren't. Um, so the turnover didn't matter as much. I think the only thing you can hope for in uh, this, this week of training camp is to install the system, um, try to get on the same page, and start to kind of lay out a rough path for the ship, right? Now, there's going to be bumps in the road, and there's going to be things that knock us off course, but you want to at least have a, a rough path and strategy um, and, and collective buy-in. That's, that's really it because we're going to have to learn each other's game on the fly, um, you know, abbreviated mini camp, COVID, just all types of things that, that keep guys separate at this moment in time. And so, you know, we're, we're going to see. It's going to be an interesting ride. How do you, um, how do you balance patience? Where you are right now in your career, you know, I'm sure you have, you know, I want the team to go as far as possible. Exactly. But then you've got some of these young people you got to bring along for the ride, yeah. too. Uh, I think patience comes from being realistic. You know what I mean? I think uh, some uh, – like being a dad and being a father has taught me, right? Like I don't go to my three-year-old and tell him to do calculus and then get mad when he doesn't, right? Like it doesn't make any sense. So you have to approach things in life with a certain level of context and, and realism. And, and we have enough talent to be special, but we also have youth and uh, the fact that we don't have any really games together under our belt um, as, as something that, that is going to be tough for this team. So we got to see how quickly we can come together, and then that will give me a better – uh, a gauge on on how bullish I am on our prospects. Uh, you you played with Jared Allen, run yeah. protector. What do you think of this Gafford kid? It just seems like the sky's the <laughs> proverbial limit exactly. with him. Why is shot blocking such at a premium in this league? It's almost like you know you're a Niners fan, by the way. Sorry, uh, it's like a left tackle, right? You got to have a left tackle, yeah, and gotcha. then you can kind of start time. everything from there. Yeah, um, I think also with the NBA going smaller um, and, and faster pace and all that other stuff, it takes away, like, usually you uh, had two bigs in the paint, right, like in, in, you know, the dinosaur years, right? And so now you might get shot blocking from your four or your five, and then, you know, your three-man might also be six nine, so, you know, it might get shot blocking there too. But now, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a high likelihood. We start, you know, myself, Bill, and, and, and Pope, right, that's – Six 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 four and six five, right? Like we could be great guard shot blockers, but we're probably not going up there and challenging a uh, Joel Embiid at the rim, right? Um, so with that being said, now there's only really like kind of one position where you're probably getting good side rim protection from. And you know, I was fortunate enough to play with Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan, uh, great rim protection in their own right. And you know, from what I've seen of Gaff early in these workouts, like he's an even more fluid athlete. Um, you know, those DJs spent a lot of time in this league, so his basketball IQ is is, is super high. Um, you know, Jared Allen's a, a super quick study and, and and has playoff experience and things like that. Um, but in terms of as an athlete, I think think Gaff is a is, is, is a more live body, a, a more fluid athlete, and I think um, just seeing how quickly he picks up uh, Coach Unsell's offense and and continues to mesh with Brad and and you know obviously myself, uh, it'll be it'll be very interesting. Is there one player that you're really intrigued to see what he's like on the court every day? Is there somebody that you're like, man, I've uh, seen I mean, him from afar, but yeah. I want to see how he really gets down. Yeah, I mean, I would say Brad's the easy choice, right? Okay. Um, obviously, in terms of 
complement my game and throwing a lot of passing like that, it would be fun with, with Gaff. But, yeah, you got a 30-point a game score. Like, that's that's crazy. Like, when when I scored 20 a game, I was like, oh, I thought I was cooking. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, he – And this dude one time gave the Sixers a 60 ball. Yeah, like, that's was what I'm saying. Like, that was light. Yeah. It looked light. Exactly. You know, was, uh, what have you guys done so far to kind of get your st- – you know, if the backcourt is good, you know, that's, that's a st- – if y'all yeah. cooking, that's a good start. So, yeah. what did you have you guys done, kind of relationship wise, getting to know one another? Uh, mostly, I mean, obviously we were in LA, uh, played some pickup, worked out together a little bit, uh, things like that, just just normal stuff, and and being on the phone and constant communication. Mm-hmm. Obviously, for me, he's he's the elder statesman here, um, not not age wise, but just in terms of being established in, in his locker room um, and and being a guy. And so, for me, like coming in as you know. I, you know, clear cut number two, but it, it's it's on me to help deliver the the message, right? It's not on me to come in here and overrun. Like you look at it and you got uh, Brad and you got Coach Unseld, and, and it's on me to hopefully just be a conduit to the young guys and, and continue to be like, hey, like this is this is the the route we're going. You know what I mean? And and it's coming straight from those two and and trying to just be another voice uh, in the room. All right, we started with naps. Yeah, which. You and I are gonna we're gonna hit it off, man. We both sure. we're on the same there wavelength. We go. I haven't done the two in a day, but I, I'm gonna try it, bro. Because so, so bro. two hours after shoot around, bro, and then a the twenty minute one before game time. Yes, I'm telling you. Because think about it, like you just you either in the hotel or you at the crib. Like, what else you gonna do? What right? else you really gonna do? But you get that good. Nap. I used to sneaker shop a lot. That was my problem. I had a sneaker problem before oh. the pandemic. I I would go to every city and get a. There's someone in here that would probably go with me too but i'll keep that person anonymous but i used to have a sneaker problem yeah. got over it with covid because i had nowhere else to go there you and go. who the hell am i gonna show my sneakers to exactly. when i'm in the crib right so i understand that part about being on the road like what, what, what am i what am i doing but i'm not here? walking around though i'm not wasting that energy well, i'm gonna do that you know what i'm saying i'm in the, i'm in the crib chilling all right so the nap and then i want to finish with like what's in your what are you listening to when you're driving to the arena are you uh you, you were telling me before like you don't really into that, yeah, I don't like trap music or anything like that. Or- uh, I mean, don't be wrong. Like, I, I have kind of a varied selection of music. Like, I think uh, currently right now, Twenty One Savage is amazingly underrated. Oh. I just, uh, oh yeah, oh. oh yeah, oh yeah. It's just that game days. I'm not a, like a really hype guy. You okay. know what I mean? Like, but no, nah, I mean obviously I would say the number one album on my phone right now is Certified Lover Boy. I mean obviously that's was the hottest. Oh, you just gonna act like Nas just didn't just you know deliver a banger. I mean, I guess it's the age group we're different. It's, it's Our age is a little, little bit of a gap. I mean, I respect yeah. Nas too though. Okay. One of one of my favorite songs that he's put out recently is actually "Won't Take My Soul." That was on a uh, DJ Khaled's whatever album that was yeah. called. Um, yeah. No. So Drake, Drake, Drake. Um, I, I mean, had this conversation with Brad. I want to see where you at. So I asked him rank these three MCs in order. I went Nas, J. Cole, and Drake. You say what Spencer Dinwiddie. I I absolutely hate these conversations because it becomes a style thing. Like I equate it to basketball players. Um This is your list. No, no, I got you. I'm about to I'm about to I'm about to break it down for you. Don't worry. Since we got a little bit of time on the podcast. Yeah. This, I, I equate it to basketball players, right? So um Drake would be like LeBron. The reason why I say that is because if you're looking for continued excellence, versatility, like the ability to play all five positions, all that stuff, he's going to sing, get a little reggaeton, hop on a Spanish track, whatever. Like, he's going to do all this stuff. 
but he doesn't may, maybe have the iconic moments of a Michael Jordan um, where, you know, Jay-Z has, like, the classic albums, right? Like, just straight bars. Like, hey, I can get 10, 12 songs of bars. Drake's going to give you 15 songs of great music. You know what I'm saying? And his bars sometimes may be a little fluffy. But there's going to be Instagram <laughs> captions in there and it's all that stuff. Right. And so that's why when I say, like, greatest player of all time is Michael Jordan. But if I'm drafting number one overall, I'm either probably taking LeBron or Shaq, right? Shaq most dominant, like, you know, it's crazy. Um, nobody can guard him one-on-one. Nobody in history could guard him one-on-one, period. Um, now more so getting back to the question, relating them to basketball players, I would say uh, J. Cole's more like a, a, a Brad Beal. Right, so 30 points a game, sometimes no features, right? Can carry a team, has the utmost respect from his peers. Sometimes the fans may not always give him his flowers. That's how I put him in there. Um, Nas, try to think. Mm. Nas, I'm going mellow. I'm going mellow. Old head, people thought he was washed, kind of came back with Portland, put together a solid stint. Just put together a solid album. Is it, is it, you know what I'm saying, Illmatic type of? No, but it's a banger. But thank you. That's my point. So it's, it's not, uh, you know, Denver Mellow, but we got some solid production from him in Portland. Where New we York like, Mellow. Who uh, had yeah, his we, we, we had moments, you know what I'm saying? So I would go like that. And then depending upon your year, your, your, your style, who do you want in that situation? Is Hey, I'm done. Your, your time is appreciated, sir. My thank man. you. Thank you. I already did the whole, hey, welcome to D.C. meet and greet earlier. Mm-hmm. I just want to get right to it. I had someone ask me the other day. They were like, who do you think on the Wizards team is going to have like a breakout year? And I didn't even hesitate. I said you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this opportunity, I don't want to say a chip. Maybe you call it a chip. But I feel like you've got something to prove. But you also offer this team a lot of versatility. How do you see this, this opportunity in D.C.? Uh, man, this is what I wanted. You know, this is what I wanted for a few years. You know, the opportunity to, um, you know, really just spread my wings and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, get outside of the cage that, you know, I was kind of in uh, as a player. You know, if you kind of follow my career and everything. So, um, obviously, like you said, adding ver- versatility, uh, being a guy that, you know, can play the two, three, four, um, you know, and also defend the two, three, and four, too. So, um Man, I'm just super excited. You know, it's it's like I said, it's what I wanted. You know, the opportunity to, you know, kind of grow. You know, won a championship. You know, played a role. You know, played behind um, two of the greatest players to ever play their positions, and uh, I learned a lot. And it's it's going to help me out a lot. Kuz, I like what you said there about you know kind of getting out of the cage, but that's not a bad thing. No, it's just it's time to spread your wings. Right. So, what do you think you learned? best from Braun and AD and just that Lakers experience that mm-hmm. carries over here? Well, like you said, it's, it's a good thing. You know, I look at it as that. Um, you know, you know, when you bring home a new puppy, you know, it's always in the cage until he learns how to civilize and, and be, you know, within the, the community of the house. So um, I kind of look at that as like my type of situation. You know, obviously coming to the league was a puppy um, and then, you know, kind of learn how to play winning basketball, learn how to, you know, not pee in the house. Right. So, um, you know, for me, I learned everything. You know, obviously I didn't do certain things because of the role I was in, but, like, having a front seat, you know, watching Brian every night, watching AD, how they prepare, 
um, how they take care of their bodies, um, just the, the, the little nuances of the game. Um, you know, that's everything that I can take with me for life. So, And to bring a couple teammates with you over here, it's mm-hmm. one thing to do something there. It's another thing to get, do it somewhere else. But you've got to do it within the confines of the new group right. as you kind of navigate through training camp. Mm-hmm. What are you trying to learn about the people that have kind of been here and then the new semblance of talent? Uh, well, you just have to learn about everything. You know, I think uh, when you're trying to win basketball in the, in, in the NBA, um, it's all about knowing your personnel. You know, you can't ask somebody to play make when they can't pass, you know, and um, you can't ask somebody to hit threes if they can't, if they're not good at three-point shooting. So, you know, just figuring out your teammates, their strengths, their weaknesses, where they like the ball, um, you know, but also what their weaknesses are. You know, there, there's a way, you know, to hide certain things, um, and you, you always want to play to somebody's strength. So, um, I think the biggest thing for us over this next, you know, next couple of weeks and all the preseason and the season, you know, I, I look at the season as uh, a rehearsal. You know, it's it's trying to figure out, you know, what works, what doesn't work, what lineups work, what don't work. And, um, you know, it's all that just like little rehearsal just for when it's go time, which is playoffs. So um, we, we got we got months to figure it out. And. Uh, I'm excited. You know, got a great collection of guys, uh, versatility, and um, you know, seem like a lot of guys that love to play the game of basketball. Is there, one, is there one specific new teammate that you're really intrigued to work with? Yeah, um, you know, I, I love working with um, you know, obviously figuring out uh, Brad and Spence. You know, figuring out how uh, us as a you know a collective unit can. Um, you know, figure it out. I think that's one of the most important things uh, that I learned from, you know, my Laker experience is, you know, your top guys got to hit at the right time and they have to, um, you know, figure out and gel and mesh. So um, I would definitely have to say those two guys, but also uh, Gafford, you know, I think uh, for him, he's a, he's a very, very intriguing young player. You know, someone that is, um, you know, he's got the, the, the NBA body, the NBA athleticism, He's a freak from, you know, just being on the court. Um, you know, he reminds me a lot of, um, like, uh, JaVale McGee in a sense. You know, being someone that, you know, no matter what, if you go to rim, you're going to get hit or you're going to get shot blocked. And to have that type of uh, intimidation in the paint and having someone that you could just throw the ball up anywhere, um, you know, it really helps the offense. So. You know, it's funny because I asked Tommy and Wes about, shot blocking and how it's at such a premium in the NBA and to keep it. Mm-hmm. But he's still so young. I mean, just raw and just like ooh. you worked with JaVale. JaVale was here as a baby and then, yep. you know, went, went to go win championships and gold medals. But what can you help him with understanding that, yes, you are the last line of defense, but yeah. we need you out there, though? Well, the biggest thing is when you're the five, like, you know, you have to be the anchor of the defense. You have to be someone that is constantly communicating. And I think that's the number one thing, you know, especially as a young player, you know, you're not really used to um, over-communicating mm-hmm. and, and being that guy because, you know, you're at the start of every play. And then in the NBA, you know, there's 40 to 60 possessions of all pick and roll. So you have to be able to get guys in the right spot, you know, tell them where the pick and roll is, where it's coming. And then at the same time, yes, you are a shot blocker, but, um, 
you know, it's not about just blocking shots. You know, it's about sometimes, you know, getting your hands in the right spot to deflect something or just altering a shot or making that extra effort to, um, you know, uh, box somebody out. You know, it's just those little things that, you know, carry on and then eventually help you win games. All right, let's get off the court. I see you, Ink. Who is Kyle Kuzma off the court? Like, how would you describe this is like uh, a this is like a rapid dating session, right? Like so, <laughs> like somebody's asking, like, who are you? Like, what do you, what would you say? Uh, I'm completely different uh, from you know how I approach basketball. You know, I think for me uh, as a basketball player, I'm extremely like locked in, dialed in. You know, I watch film at all times. Um, you know, play the game, be professional. Uh, but off the court, you know, I'm like. Uh, you know, just a normal dude. You know, I walk my dogs every morning, um, every night. Uh, I paint, uh, get tattoos a lot, as you can see. Uh, I chill. I love to drink wine, uh, smoke cigars. You know, just you know, regular dude stuff. So. All right, you're a red or white guy? Uh, French Burgundy. Okay. Red. What's the latest? What's the the, the last bottle you uh, you opened up? Um, I haven't drank uh, wine in probably about a good month because I've been on a little cleanse because. I have a little wine problem. <laughs> I have a wine problem. Um, but uh, I think the last bottle I opened was a uh, uh, 2014 Sasakaya. It's Italian, Italian red. And red you, you ate that with some some, some good pasta? Uh, lamb chop. A lamb chop. Yeah, lamb okay. chop. And then tell I me. remember it like it was yesterday. Really? Yeah. Was that good? <laughs> it was good, yeah. Uh, have you ever thought about uh, blogging or video blogging like your, your wine? Or your cigars, or even your ink. Um, not really blogging. You know, I thought about maybe having like a dope, like, cigar little podcast. Oh, okay. You know, when you might have people on, you smoke a cigar, and you just have that little intimate talk. You know, I think that. Hey, Jackson, really I just cool. I just realized something. You know, on the off the bench podcast, uh-huh. um, you know, we, we we bring friends and family in here, so maybe we go outside. I'm thinking, you know, because you don't want to be in here. And maybe Kuz, I don't know, brings a couple cigars and we just chop it up. I mean, it's, it could be a possibility. Is that a possibility? A possibility, for sure. You see how I did that there? I just tried to just... Smooth. I think we yeah. got a cigar budget. Yeah, yeah I, think we, I think we got to go to uh, make sure everybody's cool with it. But. I'll bring my own, though, because I, I like, I got the bougie things. Uh, I You told me you did your own tattoo? Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know what that was like. Um, It was fun. It was really fun. Um. You know, like I paint, I draw, I do a lot of different things. So, you know, it's just another form of art. And I've always wanted to do it because I got a lot of like tattoo homies mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they tattoo themselves. So um, I was just like, yo, let me uh, let me just do something real quick. Is it painful like to do it yourself? And then like, um, I mean, you have to figure it out you uh-huh. know, at first. But it's it's honestly kind of easy because, you know, once you kind of like go into it first, and then you're like, OK, that might be too much. And then you kind of just like go over a little bit and then, you know, just another little time. And then, um, you know, it's it's actually less painful because you're doing it yourself. So, so you because you can kind of like okay. tweak it with it. You know what I mean? Okay. So, what is it, by the way? Uh, it's just uh, it's just Dre. It's my brother's name. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which one is your? F- which one? If somebody said, um, which is your favorite tattoo? Which one is it? My favorite. Um, I just got this new one on my back. Uh, it's like like my whole back and um it's like this mountain range and it's like a river and it's um it's not finished but it has trees all over the place it's like um uh, 
you know, like a, a picture of just like the nature. So really what's dope. what's the message behind it? Cause everybody seems to have a message about their ink. Uh, I'm a, I'm a nature boy. I love being okay. out in the in the in the woods. Um, you know, cabins. You know, s'mores like that type of vibe. Being in lakes. You know, I, I love that. So you're from Flint though. But mm-hmm. if I said what up though, does that still apply in Flint or is that just a Detroit thing? Um, I mean, it, it's a big Detroit thing for sure. But I mean, it's it's Michigan. It's okay. definitely Michigan. I say it all the time. All right, so I'm going to say it, and then I want you to tell me what the reply is. So if I say, hey, Coos, what up, though? Um, I mean, it could be whatever. It's, just, <laughs> it's not like a... It's one of those things that it can mean It can mean everything? Yeah, I mean, what up? It's just like saying what's going on. Oh, you know okay. what I'm saying? So it's just like chilling. Like, So this is going to be our thing this year. Yeah. Um, out of respect from where you're from, I'm just going to say what up, though. And then we just... That's, Chop it up from there. That's it. It's perfect. I'm looking forward to two things. One, I'm looking forward to the cigar because I want you to school me on that one. Got you. And uh, and the completion of the the the, the, you know, the back your, your back tattoo, and and more importantly, uh, getting a freaking bucket every night. Oh yeah. Is, you is count that, on that. I count on that. Yeah, you count on that for sure. Hey, we were Cal Kuzma, man. We just chopping it up here. Appreciate your time, brother. Yep. Good luck this yep. year. Appreciate it. All right. <laughs> All right, hope everybody enjoyed those interviews. We're just getting started here on the season premiere of the Off the Bench podcast. Coming up later this week, we're going to talk to first-year head coach Wes Unsell Jr., also general manager Tommy Shepard, who put this team together and hired Wes Unsell Jr. So we'll get them a little bit later this week. And also, just a reminder, make sure you download, subscribe, and leave a comment here on the Off the Bench podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. We're looking forward to these interviews all season long and can't wait to see all of you out at Capital One Arena. Again, I'm Chris Miller, new host this year of the Off the Bench podcast. We'll see you later this week with interviews with Wes Unsell Jr. and Tommy Shepard. <music>